Hello everybody and welcome and this is the Midnight McBride Show episode 6 and I've called this show Warrior and Queen and I'm with the wonderful, beautiful, amazing Stina Maria. Hello Stina. Hi. Hi. So you're her. <laughs> wow. Like it. <laughs> what colour would you call it? Um, Technically I think it's called Cerise but Wild is generally what we said wild. to go for. That's what we asked for when we go there. Just, just go for the wild, wild. look. Yeah. yeah, no, it's lovely. Thank yeah, you. It goes well with the curtains. I'm going to insist that everybody <laughs> has Cerise her when they come in. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> so, Stina, we've done a, a radio show together. Yeah. And we went through your journey. And a lot of the guests I've said so far that have come on the show have been on the radio. Mm-hmm. I try not to repeat the radio show, but obviously for people to understand what you're about, why you're here, and about your journey, then then we need to, we'll cover some of it. So mm-hmm. we'll go into it. And Warrior and Queen. The first thing everybody will probably want to know is why have I called the show that? So maybe give us an idea about that. Okay, Warrior and Queen is the name of my business. Um, it was something that a friend said to me a long time ago about all the struggles and things I've been through. And she said, you're such a warrior queen. And it just really stuck. And I thought, actually, yeah, because... I've worried through life. I've fought my entire life to get through things, but I am still a queen in charge of my own life, in charge of my own future. And that was something that really kind of resonated. So Warrior and Queen is the name of my business. It's a counselling and empowerment guru's business. Yeah, great name, great name. We'll start, there's a lot of things I want to talk about and you're a multiple published author. Yeah. And you've also got some groups that are very successful helping people Mm. and some of the other things you do but we'll start with your journey so I know we'll start at the very beginning and as a child you had I remember when you first told me about your childhood and some of the things that happened and it nearly brought me to tears when you finished the story because usually people might have had one of the things that happened to you and it seemed to everything seemed to have happened to you so yeah do you want to tell us a bit about that I know that you you were abused, that you ended up being homeless. I mean, stuff, I can't imagine being homeless as a child. Yeah, as a teenager, that was a really difficult thing to go through. Um, My mum kicked me out, but from the age of six, at the age of six, I was abused sexually. Um, It was something that I had memories of and I'd actually just repressed all of that and not dealt with any of it. Growing up, it did have an impact and I just thought I was a little bit strange for having these feelings and these memories and yeah it really did sort of make me feel like why can't I be normal um and then an auntie confirmed it for me later in life and before she even told me I knew what she was talking about yeah um so yeah that was something that was really sort of difficult to deal with but it made a lot of sense as to what my feelings and thoughts were throughout my childhood. And then, like I said, at 13, my mum actually kicked me out. Um, yeah. And my, my nan was in America at the time. So my nan had to then arrange to finish all the things she was doing in America and come home. So for a couple of weeks, I had to find places to stay. So I was staying in bus shelters, at friends' houses, in houses on the estate. And I was put in some really vulnerable situations. Yeah. That at 13, you shouldn't really be in. No. Um, so a lot of things happened then. I can't. If I see an adult who's homeless, it breaks my heart. Mm. And sometimes I just feel like, you know, I feel like crying because I find it so upsetting. But to see a child, yourself mm. at 13, sleeping in a bus shelter, I, I find it very hard to get my head around that. It's horrific. It was scary. It yeah. was a really, really scary experience, not knowing what to do and where to go and even who to turn to. Because 
back that in those days you didn't have mobile phones that you could no. just text somebody off you know it, it no. didn't even exist at that point so you had to literally just look after yourself and yeah. did you go to america to your nan or was your nan here uh, my nan was in america my nan has children in america um so she used to always divide her time between america and england and we did eventually move over to america when i was 15 uh for a while but at 13 she came back my auntie got in touch with her I asked my auntie, I said, my mum's yeah. fallen out with me, my mum's kicked me out, can I stay? And she was like, no, you can't stay. I was like, oh, great, what right. do I do? Um, she said, but I'll get in touch with Nan. So it took Nan just about two weeks, I think it was, to yeah. close up her business and come home. So, And you're quite a young mother, weren't you? I think, were yeah. you 18 when you had your first child? Yeah. yeah, I think one of the things, I met my, my uh, first husband when I was 16 and we got together and we were together for five years um, and yeah. but i think at that age because i was craving stability you rush into things you think yeah. how, you just you yearn for that family that you never had so yeah yeah i think that pattern i've seen that many times where somebody had quite a disturbed childhood you know a uh, disrupted childhood and then they they go out straight away and try and make that perfect family you yeah, know but definitely. quite often they haven't got the skills to do it at that point no and, and that's it that's one of the things you think at 18 you know everything you think this is it i've got it all sussed out and yeah. you've not got anything uh, sussed out at 18 I, years old i knew nothing no. <laughs> <laughs> and i now know a very small amount yeah, <laughs> yeah we're still figuring it out yeah still figuring it out a man who thinks he knows everything knows nothing mm -hmm. a man who realizes how little he knows might know a bit of something <laughs> you know so definitely yeah every day is a school day the longer you go through things and the more yeah. you go through things the more you learn when so. you think you know it all you you don't oh gosh you know? no. and yet i'm constantly learning evolving growing and there are times when i think all right i'm doing okay now and then poof, i fall off again and something will happen and yep. I, you know i'll become ill for whatever reason mm -hmm. i overdo it or and then I, I have to learn again so yeah. sometimes you need to learn a lesson several times many times before you actually you know, you can move on. Yeah, definitely. You know, for me, anyway. Yeah, without you know. a doubt. It's, it's one of the things I see all the time. So, children, you have... Now, let me get... I'm going to use a certain <laughs> word here that I like. A proli prolifera. Pro a prolifera. Prolifera. A prolifera of children, don't you? Prolifera of children. Uh, yeah. I do. I have... I believe the collective is a gossip of I like mermaids. The way, I, li I like the way you say, I believe. I, I thought yeah. you were going to say, I believe I have six children. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm, I think I'm pretty sure I have yeah. six now I go through them. But yeah. No, I believe the collective for the mermaids is a gossip. So I have five girls that we call our mermaids. Yeah. Uh, and then I have one little boy that's our little Viking. Who's brand new on the scene. He's brand He's like two weeks old, just over. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and there's... He wasn't well at first, is that right? No, yeah, he was um, He was born and they put him onto my chest as you do for skin to skin and he just cried once and stopped breathing. Uh, right. They took him away, literally just like yanked him off me, resuscitated him and inflated his lungs. Um, said to me, give him a kiss, we're going to have to take him down to intensive care. And I was like, what is happening right yeah, now? Um, that must be terrifying. It as was well. horrific because yeah. I was obviously having issues as well and... That was really, really difficult. My poor partner was on his knees in the middle of us both, like, what is going on? Um, yeah. So he had pneumonia and suspected sepsis and then a bit of jaundice as well. So he's in the um, neonatal baby unit. You, you said two weeks old? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, two weeks I ago. I thought it had been longer. No, no. no he was I think it, well, I think we're about 16, 17 now. Um, I'm not even counting days at this point because he's here, yeah. he's safe, and that's great. So yeah. Two weeks. Well, and what's he called? Austin. 
Okay. Yep. I'd like to give you the opportunity now to do a shout out to all your daughters <laughs> and, and did you say Aust- Austin? Austin, yeah. Austin, okay. So maybe your daughters, well, if you name them. Okay, us. so yeah. we have Mackenzie, we have Grace, we have Ava, we have Maria, we have Nancy, and then we have little Austin. Little Austin, <laughs> yeah. So at 21, you ended up in a women's refuge. Yeah. Now, maybe tell us how that came about. Yeah, um, I moved away um from where I was living. I was living in Rochdale at the time. I moved down to Luton and I met Mr. Wrong. I'd separated from my husband. I'd got into a relationship with somebody else. Mr. Wrong kind of came on the scene when I had a little bit of money and didn't realize any of that whatsoever. Mr. Wrongs tend to appear when you've got a few quid, don't they? Yeah, this is it. And it was one of those things that I kind of let myself be a little bit controlled and ended up in a really volatile situation where he convinced me to move back yeah, was he violent towards you? Then? Yes, yeah. he convinced me to move back to Rochdale with my mum, and I'd not actually spoken to my mum for properly for years. Um, I'd got back, and my mum was bragging about the things that she was doing, and it wasn't my lifestyle whatsoever. Yeah. So I realised I'd made a mistake, and I was like, I, I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have moved back. And he beat me up. Um, they, my mum. My partner and him, all of them chased me up the street at one o'clock in the morning with my child. Um, we walked from Rochdale to the police station and yeah. I said, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't have anybody. Um, and they said, well, can you, we can get you a hotel for the evening and then you can figure out from there. I ended up getting a taxi from Rochdale to Dunstable, which was like 150 quid, I think, at the time. Yeah. Um, and I went from there that I was getting messages through the night saying, we know where you are. It was like, this is not okay. I need to get yeah. myself safe. So I ended up in the refuge then at yeah. that point. Yeah. It's, it's a sad state of affairs when that happens, but mm-hmm. what a, a marvelous place that there is some kind of sanctuary where you can go in that situation, Definitely. you know, without the women's refuge, a lot of women would just be on the street, yeah. they, you know? massively so and one of the things that I realized because I was there for quite a few months and one of the things that was very apparent was the women in there do a lot for the children that they can and in the environment that they're in so we spent Christmas there and I remember spending a whole week's worth of money on Christmas presents for my daughter at the time I only had one and there was nobody for myself there was nobody to talk to your sort of Bernard Matthews turkey rolls for Christmas dinner do you know you're doing the best you can at that point um that was one of the things we did about 10 years later, 10 years after being there, we got together as a group and we collected Christmas presents for mums that were in refuges Yeah, because they never get a look in, they never get a thought and it's important for these women to look after themselves as well. Yeah, massively. Um, I mean, I preach that to a lot of people. Mm. It's not a selfish pursuit to look after yourself because if you're not operating at your best, you can't help other people, you, you know, look after your children. You from an empty cup at no. all, so you've got to fill that up, exactly. definitely. So then at 27, you discovered you're bipolar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's We're just, this is, <laughs> you've no idea. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so... How did that come about? Had you been depressed first? Is that where you sort of realised there was something wrong? Throughout my years, I've always struggled on and off with depression. It's been something that I've really battled with. And a lot of the time you kind of put it down to your environment or your situation and what's been going on in your yeah. life. And because my life has been so colourful, yeah. it's always made sense to feel those things. Um, but after my third daughter, I it was a week after Christmas. Um, I went to the store in the middle of the night and spent all of our money 
on toys and things that we didn't need. And I had no recollection of how I'd even done that, why I'd done that. And yeah. I wasn't sleeping right. I'd been up for a week. And it, this was my first manic episode. So this was the one that kind of pointed out that something was wrong. It wasn't just being depressed. You weren't just low. There was uh, bizarre behavior there within was, that. There was, yeah, yeah. And when yeah. you look back then, once we went to the doctor and we got a diagnosis of, of bipolar. And at the time, my husband, um, he was like, well, we're no further on. We've not got any answers. But for me, it was like, that makes sense. That's the jigsaw yeah. puzzle piece that was missing because now I have answers. And it, it seems that going back to being 13, 13 was the kind of trigger that brought that on, the relationship breakdown with my mum yeah. and the situation and the environment that I was in. From an external point of view, somebody might see and you're diagnosed with bipolar and you think, oh, no, that's terrible. Mm -hmm. But when you don't know what's going on and you're thinking, why is this happening to me? And maybe you think you're losing your mind. And then somebody says, no, actually, it's this and we can help you. Yeah. It's like, thank God. Yeah, so it's a relief sometimes to know that there's something wrong with you. Yeah. But, but something that can be helped, managed, managed you yeah. know, maybe. That was it. That was a huge relief because, again, everything just seemed to fall into place. And it was easier to look back then on the things that happened and say, right, okay, that makes sense. That's yeah. Not necessarily. I was I was fighting a losing battle at certain points in my life so because I never had the help or assistance that I needed then. Yeah, what a journey so far. <laughs> um, so from the Stina, mm -hmm. I know you did do. Okay, let's start with DJing. So yep. you were a DJ. Yes. Now this was you basically obviously enjoyed it, but you mm -hmm. chose the profession because it enabled you to have the time to spend with your children. Yeah, it was a job that really fit my lifestyle. I've always had a passion for music. I've loved singing. I've loved just listening to all kinds of music. Which, by the way, folks. As Stina came into the studio tonight, <laughs> she said, you've got to hear this, you've got to hear this, and played me a song. And <laughs> what's he called, Stina? Uh, Marty Ray Project, and it was a cover of Ice Ice Baby. <laughs> Phenomenal. <laughs> Phenomenal. Yeah. So you're obviously passionate about music. Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. We're, we're a very musical household. The girls all sing, and it's always been something that's been putting to me quite early. I um, imagine going to your house, all the girls having a different colour of the rainbow hair. <laughs> I could just have this vision, and there's unicorns, and somebody's... Throwing glitter around. Sounds about right. But then you get the odd one that will choke slam each other in the corner and wrestle each other. So it doesn't matter how pretty you make them. They're really, really feral sometimes. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. Music has been something that has always been a way to express myself. It's always been something that's really... One of my daughter's friends said it really, really well yesterday that it is a necessity in life, music, because yeah. it gives you that outlet to... Yeah emote and to feel and to just get through whatever's going on so it was it made sense to pursue something in music um yeah. I, I think that if you're emitting a frequency or a vibration or an energy that's not doesn't feel good mm -hmm. and you know there's a certain piece of music that you can at any point play that has a very nice and, and beautiful waveform this yeah. nice energy this nice pattern and you can play that and then match it. You can, when you don't feel good, play a piece of music and it can change the way you feel. Completely. Yeah, definitely. And one of the good things, one of the things that I tell people, we do a bit of music therapy. One of the things that I work with people with is actually using music to bring out those emotions. So stop. If you're feeling bad or you're feeling upset or down, play a sad piece of music. Let yourself feel and let yourself express those emotions. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, I say that sometimes I talked to somebody recently and they were saying I 
I feel this way. It was actually at Manjushri. I feel a certain way. A guy had gone there because he was destitute. His relationship had broke up and he mm-hmm. went to stay in there for a few weeks. And he felt a certain way. Whenever he went to sleep, he thought about some trauma that he'd had recently and it wouldn't go away. And I said, well, as long as you keep pushing it away, as I've just, I did the last show with Marcus Chester and saying that when you resist something, you hold it in place. You push against it quite often. If that is leaning on you, mm-hmm. you hold it in place. As soon as you take away that resistance, and that means sometimes to embrace something, go into it fully, immerse yourself in it. Yeah. Once you do that, you only need to do it once. Mm-hmm. And it can be a very difficult experience. But once you do that and you take away the resistance, it will dissolve, it will fall away, and it will, it'll be gone for good. Yeah, completely. So sometimes you have to face something head on. Yeah, you know. And and that's that's a thing. It's a really daunting situation to even be in to think about. I don't want to cry. I don't want to feel sad. But you're obviously feeling those feelings. So let yourself just yeah. work through that. If if you're resistant, they'll always be there. The second yeah. you say, "Okay, I feel this way," let's do it. Yeah. Let's feel this way. And once you've gone through it, quite often it's like be, being bathed or something. You wash it away. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not an easy experience and I don't have all the answers by any means, but I know sometimes in my life, things that I didn't want to deal with, once I accepted them, it's mm-hmm. acceptance, basically. Yeah. Once you accept them, then they they dissolve. Yeah. yeah, and it's a really interesting thing to sort of say about bathing and washing away. It's one of the things, again, that as a mum, you don't get that time to lose everything, lose yeah. all of your well, stuff, yeah. you know. You have to find the right time to emote and to feel those things and quite often that is a sneaky cry in the shower when nobody can hear you you're not traumatizing yeah. your children and you can actually just go and you can feel so you can whack your music on you can get yeah. in the shower and you can just let the water wash everything away you yeah. get out you're ready to go again see i like yeah a lot of the things you say and i like the way you put it in because allowing yourself to feel yeah, because we suppress everything and we don't want, certainly as men, we don't want people to see yeah. us express emotion and that we get upset and that we cry and that yeah. we're, we're unhappy and we're depressed, you know, and we're all going around and giving it all this. And mm-hmm. in reality, we're, we're, we're no different than anybody else. And, no. you know, we, uh, you know, we have a soft center. The only difference is some of us choose to hide that. Yeah, and it's perception. It's having that preconceived idea that you should be a certain way. So to be a good mom, you shouldn't be crying or getting upset. Or to be yeah. a good man, you should be macho and yeah. bold. And yeah. It's not all about it. It's having those times where you can say, right, I just want to be me. And me is whatever I'm feeling yeah. and whatever's going on. And it's not necessarily fitting into a societal label or fitting into something that I should be. Yeah. Because you're living too much in like a self-concept area there where you're worrying about what everything else is and Mm. not necessarily listening to yourself so we spend a lot of time as adults figuring out that the conditioning that we were given and the labels and all the boxes that were given as we're growing up actually aren't required we don't need them we don't fit in any of those to let go and then to be yourself and you're probably not going to be like anybody else you're going to be completely unique and that's that's wonderful yeah that's what makes it beautiful that's what makes the world an incredible place when you don't fit into a box when you can say i've got pink hair and tattoos but my best friend is an accountant who is just completely different to me do you know and that's the thing is you deprive yourself often of the amazing connections that you can make because you've got these preconceived ideas yeah, so that you never nearly had. You need to shake those off, get yes, rid of them. Yes, definitely. There's, there are no rules, you no. know. And uh, I think the saying goes that uh, be yourself, everyone else is taken. <laughs> I like that. That's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, it's good. 
So, Steena, your journey so far has been traumatic. This mm-hmm. is the first half of the show, but it's all relevant because mm-hmm. I want everybody to see what you've done since. <laughs> you know, because how your life has turned around by making some good decisions, by by reaching out for help, which we all have to do mm-hmm. at some point in our lives, and then where it goes now. So at this age, then I think we can start to see maybe a turning point. When you you have therapy mm-hmm. initially. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the start of your journey. Completely, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you learn when you go through that journey, if you're open enough to it and you take in what's being said and you can go away and reflect on things, then you actually learn that this is probably a necessity in recovery. Yeah. This is something that I actually need to figure out and think it's not just about medication or it's not just about changing lifestyle. It's about a combination of things and talking was huge. Yeah, we've In the last two or three shows, every show there's a common theme and it's about communication. Darren mm-hmm. Siegenberg was talking about that communication is critical. Yeah. And it is, if you do not communicate, you are separate, secular, on your own. Nobody yeah. knows how you feel. You don't know how they feel and mm-hmm. you can't learn anything. Yeah. Once you start to share and communicate, and I say in the book, From Pills to Peace, we can't learn anything if we don't talk about everything. You yeah. have to actually have all the information to make an informed decision, to make a good choice. Yeah. And that's the start. And I think everybody, the pivotal point in the journey, certainly for me, I remember having ayahuasca and I lay there shouting, I need to ask for help. I had this realisation, I need to ask for help. I need mm-hmm. to ask for help. And I was desperate because I was unhappy. And that was the start of changing everything where I think a lot of people, the first steps on recovery is when they say, I can't cope, I need help. Mm-hmm. And then they get inspired and people advise them and, and maybe show them that they've got through something yeah. and give them the tools to do the same. And I think the... Probably the most important thing we can do while we're in this spacesuit on this planet as human beings, number one is our happiness. It's not a selfish pursuit because when you're happy and in bliss, we operate at our best and we can help others. Mm. But secondly, the most important thing, the most beautiful thing that every single person who's come on this show has done is gone through trauma. And you think, how can there be a positive going through trauma? And what you do is you learn, you survive. And then when somebody else is going through it, you help them. Mm hmm. That's it. That's what we do as human beings. If you can do that, you're doing good. Definitely. And it's a huge thing when you, for me, I always think of it like a journey and you're going down the motorway and it's a straight journey. It can be really, really mundane and just ordinary. You're going down a country road that's winding and shivering you in different directions. There's so much beauty about it and there's so many things that you can take from it. And it's a great and epic journey. So, Yeah, I use the motorway analogy a lot in From Pills to Peace because... I talk about if you're going to Blackpool and you're heading on the road to Blackpool, if you're going too fast, you won't see the signs. If you're on the wrong road, you won't see the signs. But if you slow down and if you're on the right road and you're heading towards Blackpool, you will see signs for Blackpool everywhere. There are what I call alignment or you might call coincidences or what we now know is synchronicity. Mm -hmm. When you're on the right path, everything starts to fall into place. And as Michael Beckwith says, uh, Reverend Michael Beckwith, the universe corresponds to the nature of your song. All the cogs of the universe are operating in the background. And you have what they called now pronoia, where the universe has got your back. Excellent. I love that. That's fab. Right, Stina. Looking towards the end of the first part of the show, Mm -hmm. which is perfect because we've sort of got to the 
Well, we haven't really got to the present. <laughs> we haven't got to the present moment at all, have we? We're just at the start of your journey, though. The pivotal point where there's been a very traumatic, I like the expression used, colourful, a very colourful ride to this point. Mm-hmm. But now we're going to see you go over the hill and where you go from here. Okay. Uh, we'll be right back after this short break. <laughs> Hello everybody and welcome back. This is the Midnight McBride Show, episode number six, and it's Warrior and Queen with Stina Maria. Hello, Stina. Hi. I always want to sing whenever I say your name. I think of Aqua Maria. Do you remember there's a there was a programme and it was like along the lines of Thunderbirds, it was the same era. And the theme tune is Aqua Maria. <laughs> you never never heard that? No. But I'm not making it up. (laughs) (laughs) Maria, Aqua Maria. I'm going to go Google it. Aqua Aqua Maria. (laughs) And she's a a mermaid. Oh, look at that connection. Aqua Maria. (gasps) I'm sure she's like, uh, swims underwater. She's a mermaid. Oh, I'm going to look at that. Don't, yeah. When we just talked about the road to Blackpool, I wrote Mm -hmm. about it and talked about it. And every time I taught meditation, we Mm -hmm. talked about, the road to Blackpool and there's there's more analogies I draw but you, you get the idea and then I got invited to go and do a talk at Blackpool <laughs> <laughs> not long after and Brilliant. I sat there and um, I was doing the talk and halfway through I thought and and if you see signs on the road uh, <laughs> to Blackpool and I, I went, I'm in Blackpool <laughs> and it dawned on me that it had manifested, you know. Yeah, so. yeah. My, I do it with my eldest daughter all the time. She says things and we'll talk about them and something will happen and she says, you're a witch. And you just, you laugh because that's what my nan used to always say, but we just call it enhanced intuition. You know, you really sort yeah. of are in tune with what's going on. But yeah, I like that. It's brilliant. Yeah. So back to your journey mm-hmm. and you were a DJ mm-hmm. uh, making time so that you could work but still have the necessary time with your children which yeah. is wonderful because you've got a lot of them <laughs> <laughs> and you need a lot of time yes you do yeah but then you you had therapy and you had did you have cbt if you tell us about the therapies you had because then yeah. you became a practitioner of these yeah yeah so. i initially had cbt and that's a it's a bog standard thing that you get through the nhs anyway because it's the one form of counseling that can be measured that can be proven it's scientific it's really cost effective yeah and that's overall. cognitive behavioral cognitive therapy. behavioral therapy yeah. mm-hmm. so it's about looking at your thoughts and your reactions to those um and all your feelings and it's it's really really good for what you're going through at the time it doesn't touch the surface of what you've been through previously so i then went on and had psychotherapy um privately i paid for that which was horrifically yeah. expensive but she was, was it? phenomenal. Yeah. So you're looking you're yeah. looking anything from forty pounds an hour upwards. Um it's counsel and this is one of the things, it's one of the reasons that I wanted to do what I did because I wanted to make it more cost effective for mums, for other people that were in different situations and for people that couldn't necessarily afford that every mm. week because it's hard. So you did C B T. Yep. You had which was NHS. And yeah. then you had psychotherapy, which yeah. you paid for, yeah. and then you had counselling as well. Is that the, it was the all, same or separate? No, it was that, all, all the same, yeah. yeah. The um, the psychotherapy brings in a lot of different things with it, and th- that was on and off for years. Um, what I did was I ha- I'd have a break for six months, or I would have a situation in my life where I'd say, no, right, I need to go back and figure this yeah. out, because it's brought up some more things. And like you said earlier, because there are 
so many different events you kind of feel like you have to work through them and that takes a long time whereas ordinarily you'd only really experience counseling for yeah one or two years maybe um i talk about it and i had two counseling sessions and it didn't work for me at the time but it was nothing to do with the counselor i mm -hmm. quite clearly wasn't ready to share at that point i wouldn't yeah. open up i just I, you know i wasn't ready yeah so and this is the you've thing you've got to be a you've willing participant I mean, yeah. you've got to be and there's times when i have been dragged to my sessions kicking and screaming because i just didn't want to go i didn't want to talk to anybody um there are times that i've sat through sessions and not said a word and just cried yeah. the entire session and mm -hmm. that's what was needed and that was the amazing thing about my counselor at the time was she just let me go with what was needed um yeah. quite often I've noticed when I had the counselling sessions, the counsellor didn't say very much. He'd ask me very leading questions. You'd start to talk about something and then it'd just all fall out. Yeah. And they, just by the act of talking about it, with very little external input mm -hmm. helps, yeah. you know, because you're getting it out, aren't you? Yeah. What you? If you have feelings inside, especially if they're not good ones and you don't express those, whether it's talking, poetry, singing, whatever it is, if mm -hmm. you don't talk about that and get it out, it will manifest and you'll become ill. Yeah. And it doesn't, it brings out a physical side as well, because like you were saying earlier, when it's leaning on you and you're not letting that out, you're not riding that situation or emotion out it's going to bring a lot of negativity into your life. You're going to yeah. start to feel headaches and feel sluggish and tired and just yeah. your overall things, panic attacks, all of these physical thing, things that come from what's uh, going on inside. It's not a pretty analogy, but imagine if you have a boil or a spot or something mm -hmm. and it builds up this underneath and underneath and underneath. And before you can get rid of, you know, yeah. the the not very nice fluid inside or whatever like that. The pressure increases, it bursts. And so when you go through therapy, I think yeah. this is when they say your breakthroughs, stuff will build and you're talking about all this negative stuff and it's all coming out and you don't feel good and you'll have a little, but there'll be a breakthrough. There'll come a point mm -hmm. where, oh, It's like a light bulb moment. It's like, yeah, have relief. Yeah. You know, when you think, I can finally put that down. Mm -hmm. You know, and when you put something down you've been carrying around with you for most of your life, you know, it can be... As you know, uh, yeah, very good feeling, definitely. And, and it, it can also have another effect where you do that and you go away and feel like, What have I just done? I've just spilled my guts to somebody. Yeah, it feels know. very strange yeah. at first, can't yeah. it? You know, I've just realized you're a therapist and a counselor, so I'm sat here talking to you now. Are you analyzing me? <laughs> no, I don't, I get in trouble for it all the time. I analyze everything, it's so hard to <laughs> oh, step no. back. <laughs> Good. It's good. I've no secrets. You know everything. <laughs> well, your body language. No. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I used to be very introvert and didn't mm. share, and and now I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm, I've not fixed everything, but I'm definitely more of an open book now, and I, I share a lot. Yeah. You know, and it's a really stuff. important thing to do because it's like I just said to you earlier, talking about your life, and it feels like you're just talking about ordinary things, but. That helps so many people and yeah. it inspires people. And it's a really, for a man, I think in particular, it's a really important thing to be able to do. So yeah. keep I, on. Yeah. I've said to everybody who's been on this show in the last three shows anyway, that um, this is therapy for me. Mm -hmm. You know, I talk in these sessions and although the guest is talking about what they've done and everything, I do this all the time and I share my stories as well and I feel good when I've done it. You know, it helps. Yeah, it brings, I think speaking to like-minded people brings a bit of validation as well to what you've been feeling and what you've gone through yourself. Mm. So it's huge. Talking yeah. is phenomenal. 
We should talk more. Let's see. From here, you qualify as a therapist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And maybe just be specific. What exactly what do you do? Uh, It is counselling. And we do what we do is we do empowerment projects as well. So I wanted to be able to when somebody says to you that you have a chemical imbalance. All right, that's cool. But what does that mean? Hmm. What does that mean? Where does that come from? How do I deal with that? And so many times through life, you've been told those things that you're depressed and it's all chemical and it's this, that and the other. Explain to me why I'm feeling these things. So what I do now is I do a lot of teaching. Mm. I go up and down the country and I talk to people about where their initial thoughts are coming from. And all of that is counseling based. It's all about learning why you're thinking a certain way and what's stopping you and what's holding you back and limiting you. Mm. And then what I'll do is I will help empower those people. So it's not about me making the changes it's about the person the client making those changes and those realizations themselves but it's about giving them the tools so that they can do that you are like mandy worsley in some ways yes. and i'll say mandy's featured in one of your books as She's well isn't she? two, She's two, a, two, my oh, books. two now yeah, yeah. two co-author in one of those books um which we'll get to we're going to talk about your books mm-hmm. but mandy has this ability as do you work you, you have a stream of accolades and you do all these things and you make it look effortless. <laughs> when I, I might do some pretty special things, I think, but you look at me and I look like I've been dragged behind a car <laughs> or through a, through a bomb, you know what I mean? Now you can see it's hard work. <laughs> I look like I've been grafting, but you and Mandy make it look effortless. Yeah. Do you know what I think sometimes though? I think because a lot of the things I speak about and a lot of things I teach for me are just a way of life. So... I might have counseling skills, but they're life skills to me. And Mm. I use them all the time throughout my daily life, my personal life. Um, So it just becomes a natural way, I think, of doing it. So let's talk, before we get to the books, which we're going to get to in a Mm -hmm. minute, let's talk about the groups that you've formed because they correlate directly with the books as well, don't they? But you've started some groups. Mm -hmm. Um, Warrior and Queen is a group it's a page the warrior and queen is the main hub it's where we kind of run everything from it's the business that will be able to reach out to men women anybody from warrior and queen um so yeah that's the main business that's what i run everything through so warrior and queen is for men also yes yeah yeah Mm -hmm. definitely because i think it's really important to be able to get people talking that is my main goal is to get people living authentically do yeah. what feels natural and right to you and let's put all these labels aside. A beautiful message, yeah. 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 So the books. Yes. Right, so let me just get this right. And each week on the show, I turn and face the camera and I say, hot off the press. <laughs> Book four. Book four. <laughs> yeah. I know well, you can't tell us everything, but tell us a bit. Much to my partner's uh, dismay, <laughs> I bring it out book four. He, bless him, he takes the reins at home and I just plow myself into it. Yeah. Um, what we've done last year, I brought my own book out, which yeah. was just all about my own teachings and learnings. Three books in 12 months. Is that right? Yeah. That's yeah. incredible. That's yeah. incredible. Um, it was definitely a difficult sort of journey, but it was so worth it. The yeah. last two books were compilation books. And what I did was through Warrior and Queen, I set up a group called Just a Mum. And it's about teaching mums that you're you're never just a mum. You're yeah. never just this one thing that you think you've put yourself into this one category. You are so much more. And it was set up from my bed. 
I'd had mm-hmm. a breakdown. I mm-hmm. was in a really bad place. And I didn't want other mums to feel this way. You, so We did talk about on the show, and you were okay to talk about yeah. it, that maybe just a year to 18, maybe 18 months ago where you were depressed and suicidal again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's one of the things with bipolar is, and it can, it can be quite defeating. You, you get so far and then... From nowhere, an episode can just grab you, and it can be anything that triggers it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, 12 months ago, I was in my bed ready to give up. I was yeah. done. I had thought about all the things that I was going to tell my girls and leave the note, and I had pills in my hand. I was done. I was really ready to go. Mm. And then I caught a glimpse of a goodie bag that I'd got from a networking meeting, and I remembered about speaking about aligning your visions and things. And just that second of split thought that changed my entire thought process. Why yeah. can I feel this way? I can't be the only one that feels this way. There's got to be other people. So I set up the group. I literally got myself out of that. Within a couple of days, I set up the group and I started adding people and they started adding people. And we now have... I think about 2,600 people, mm-hmm. women in 27 different countries, uh, all mums that are experiencing these things and just experiencing motherhood in their own rights. Yeah. So what we did last year was the two books, we got some of the women from the group to write their story. So we have a pregnancy diaries book and we were explaining that there's not a typical route to pregnancy. Mm. So people like Mandy who had to go via adoption who yeah. had her, she wrote her story and she told about all these phenomenal things that she'd been through and heartbreaking things that she'd been through. Yeah. And then other women as well. We had domestic violence. We had uh, same-sex couples. We yeah. had all kinds of amazing stories that at the time I found out I was pregnant and as I'm trying to edit these stories thinking, how do I get through this book? Because I'm in tears reading yeah. them. Um were phenomenal so we have book number four which is coming from just a mom um and it's gonna be another compilation that's that's pretty much all i can tell okay. you at this point i'm gonna give too much away but it's it's sort of on the cusp it's very it's very near to completion it's coming out soon is that right yeah well it what i generally tend to do again i um I think this is the bonus of mania. Sometimes you can produce things pretty quickly and you're really driven and it's, yeah. it's a real good advantage of being sometimes manic. Um, I generally tend to knock them out within eight or nine weeks. That's Wait. the kids of the books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? If you could be pregnant for only eight weeks, I'm sure every woman would be like, yeah, I'll do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, they, they're a therapeutic process, so it's yeah, an it's empowerment. Cathartic, isn't it? it is, yeah, it really yeah. is. And the emphasis is on helping these women get through a situation in their life or address a situation that they've been through. But, but one, Stina, yep. you wrote that yourself, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Right, what's that called? It's called Mama Keep Your Shh Together. <laughs> but, which is basically shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah basically, basically. <laughs> we, can, we can say it on yeah, here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But this is the thing, you, you're always, as a mum, you're always supposed to keep your shit together. And that's not always the truth. But then when I replace the shit with the shh, because women don't talk yeah. oh. about it. Very clever. Women yeah, don't talk about yeah, it. Yeah. You're not supposed to talk about it as a mum. I didn't get. I've got the book. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get that. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Is there anything else I haven't understood? <laughs> <laughs> I get it now. Yeah. yeah um, mama, just, it is, and it's yeah, just brilliant. a really authentic look at parenting and what motherhood is and talking a little bit about my own journey, but not too much about that, and just the things yeah. that I've picked up along the way that help you get through. 
and yeah. help you keep your shit together, basically. So Yeah. So, Stina, with book number four imminent, it's, yep. c- it's coming out now and stuff, and your two-week-old son, Austin. Yeah. Have you got other things on the go now? Are you actually just taking a little bit of a backseat and <laughs> and um, maybe just having a bit of downtime as well? I don't understand what downtime is. <laughs> I have six children. <laughs> six children and downtime just is not something that you're used to. How old are your children? Uh, my eldest is 17 and then I have 11, 9, 5, 18 months and two weeks old. Oh my God. <laughs> it's, Yeah. It, it must it, be it's chaos. <laughs> it's organized chaos. It's organized chaos. And we used to so many different things, routine and stuff. It's regimented sometimes, but you mm. have to be. Um, but the love that comes from it is immense. Just getting ready for school. I know, you know, yeah. like getting dressed, washed, <laughs> clean your teeth yeah, and breakfast. Yeah. Must be epic. We have like lines of uniform out <laughs> in the morning. Everyone's ready. Everyone's like, like drilling it into everyone. Come on, come on, come on. And the, the plaits, yeah. the hair and all sorts of things. Yeah, Good night, John Boy. Good night, Mary Lou. Good night. <laughs> it's like the Waltons, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, they're, they're hilarious. Um, they're so good. When I was in the hospital, we have a... A weekly thing of sitting and watching Doctor Who, and that's our thing. We make cookies and we all sit down and watch Doctor Who together. Um, yeah. When I was in the hospital, they were at Granny and Granddad's, and they were like, "Can't watch Doctor Who without Mum." So <laughs> they were really <laughs> like well into their routine, and their re- they would just wouldn't have it at all. Bless them. Yeah. So. yeah. When we talked about music before, mm-hmm. I'm just going to say about talk about gong baths because Mandy has them at her retreat, the Chetham yeah. Farm retreat, and they're done by Liz Whittle, who's from the Harmony Hub, who's a beautiful lady that I know well. And a gong bath, we talked about music, the power of sound. I had a lady on here called Jenny Berry, and mm. she has a show at Salford City Radio called Word on the Street. And you've met her, have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah with last time. Yeah. yeah. And she was on with Chris Edward. And we talked about the power of the spoken word, what sound can do. And I always imagine uh, a child... Now, because we've learned, when you speak words, we understand and they mean something. But when you're a child, you just hear, (laughs) you just hear sound. But our brains start to interpret that. Now, if you say something nice, if I say, you look beautiful today, your hair's wonderful, you're shining, you're glowing, you feel Mm -hmm. good. But... The same, on the same vein, somebody can make you feel very bad through sound as well, you know, it can be used in a negative way and Mm -hmm. the feeling you have inside, you can express and magnify that frequency and energy and give it to somebody. But with a sound bath, which I think is a beautiful experience, I did, I think I'm the only person I joked to ever survive two on the bounce (laughs) at Chatham Farm Retreat. I did two back to back and I I could, I couldn't speak after, I was uh, just like a zombie because it went really deep and a beautiful experience, but... We all have trapped energies in our body. Mm-hmm. And this can be from past trauma, tension, emotions, other such things. And even with meditation and yoga and trying all these things to release all this negative stuff, sometimes we can't. Mm-hmm. And a sound bath is sort of somebody going along and whacking it out of you <laughs> because they have all the gong set up and they'll hit the gong. And the sound resonates and vibrates, but it's a very powerful sound wave and you can feel it. Wom, 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 wom. You can feel it up from the gong. And different gongs, as Liz uses the Earth, the Sun, Saturn, the Moon, Venus, etc., have a different frequency. And each one, when a frequency, a vibration, matches the frequency or vibration of another material possession, it can be a, uh, sorry, an object or a part of your body, it resonates and it causes it to vibrate. Mm-hmm. And so 
Each gong might vibrate a different part of your body. And in so, like a bottle of pop underwater, when you shake it up and open it and the bubbles come out, these gongs release the trapped energies. Mm-hmm. And consequently, I've been to a number of gong baths and I've seen a lot of people at the end on the first gong bath crying. Yeah. And it's tears of joy because whatever's been trapped, the gongs release and force and get rid of this energy by causing the body to vibrate and release, mm-hmm. release the energy. And it's a beautiful experience. So music, sound and vibrations, that's what the universe is made up of in a way. Then yeah. you know, it, it's all of those things. And whether it's a waveform or a molecule, everything vibrates. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when we talked about music, it's a huge part of my life. I write about it in the book. I talk about music. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that when I was a child, and I listen to music. I can recite the lyrics to thousands of songs without mm-hmm. trying. I just know them. Yeah. And when you're in a state of bliss and joy and you're happy, you learn. Yeah. When you say to a child and you tell a child off and they don't feel good, they learn nothing because yeah. they have tension in the system. They've got resistance. And because they don't want that energy in, mm-hmm. whatever you're telling them, they ain't listening. Mm-hmm. So you need to be in a state of joy and bliss. So by the medium of a positive energy, a vibration music, you learn. Yeah. You learn so much more. You know, you're in a, a very productive mode when mm-hmm. you're when you're in bliss. You yeah. know, and music can do that. Yeah, and it gives you that good feeling. It gives you a lot of um a lot of ways to get things out. We've like we mentioned earlier, it's it's amazing. Yeah. But it's not only just through music. When you're saying about sound, a great way that we speak to people is that energy that's trapped. Have you ever have you ever been have you ever screamed like full on? Yeah absolutely primal screamed that's huge yeah the release that comes from getting rid of that through the emphasis of sound i I do two things one is i put a song on in the car Mm -hmm. and i sing my own lyrics so i'm expressing myself to music i'll go i've had a shit day (laughs) and i don't want to do it anymore but i gotta go to work on a construction site it doesn't matter what comes out but i'm just getting it out yeah so just sing my own lyrics to a song and I also, if I play certain pieces of music, classical music, for example, um, this can lift me and take me away and open doors to spiritual realms. Yeah. It can change the way, it can totally change the way I feel by mm-hmm. listening to that music, you know. I do that with a lot of Norse music. I listen to a lot of Norse folk, folk music and it is amazing. Is that like Viking? Like Viking music, <laughs> yeah. It's phenomenal because you can See, literally... You know, I had unicorns before. Now I've got you all with helmets on, <laughs> with horns on, with multicolored hair. That's about right. Yeah. That's about, but it is, and it, it's amazing where you can go with that and where you can take it. Um, singing is, even if you can't sing, it's one of the best feelings and it's to crank it up, get yeah, it out, yeah. release it and yeah. doesn't matter what you look. There's many times I have pulled up next to the traffic lights and there's been a bus stop or something and I'm rocking out on my own in the car and think, oh, what am I doing? Do you yeah. know, I've got, I'm driving like a Zafira. It's not cool <laughs> it's at all. It's got car seats in the back, but I'm rocking out in the front. If you pull up at the lights and you see somebody <laughs> who's rocking out next to you, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I love it. It's, yeah, it's, it's brilliant seeing somebody um, <laughs> expressing themselves, passionate about it. Yeah. I've also done what they call laughter yoga. And brilliant. I did it at a festival. I, I taught meditation over two or three days at a festival called Following the Joy, mm-hmm. and a beautiful festival. And when I did that, um, they did laughter yoga. And what you do is you force laughter out, and there's a group of you, so there'll be 10 or 12 of you. Yeah. Um, in this instance, there was initially, I think, about 12 of us. And we're in a field and there's lots of people watching. 
And you start off and you go, <laughs> like this. And then you'll get one of the 12 people that's got a ridiculous laugh. <laughs> and you'll all actually start laughing at that laugh. Oh, no. And the laughter spread. And at the end, within two or three minutes, literally Everyone. everybody was falling over laughing in the field. It was this wave of laughter took over. It, oh, it was, I, I haven't Feeling. hurt like that. My sides were splitting. <sighs> it was... Laughter yoga, yeah. If you ever get a chance that to do that. That sounds awesome. Yeah, that yeah. Does. You feel ridiculous at first. And then what we started doing is you have to laugh like uh, squirrels and rabbits. <laughs> so we're doing, ha, 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 like, I, I just felt ridiculous. I just felt ridiculous. We were doing, squir- yeah, it's like, laugh like a squirrel. <laughs> and all this. Yeah. But yeah, just getting out of your comfort zone, doing stuff. Feel ridiculous. Feel stupid. It yeah. doesn't matter. You know, don't yeah. take yourself so seriously. So yeah, laughter yoga. It's only stupid. It only feels stupid because you've put that label on it. Yeah, Get rid yeah. of that label that I think you've it, learned. It's really healthy to feel stupid or feel a bit silly now and again, yeah. you know, and shed that and just let, you know, doesn't matter what anybody thinks. One Some people f- can't do that. They can't even dance. No, but one of my favorite things is puddle jumping. Puddle jumping is immense. It The release that comes from my children look at me and go, mom, don't. And I am the worst. I will immediately jump in that puddle because that silly feeling, that childhood feeling, because you've got that inner child. You've got that bit that needs looking after as well. And doing that really, really does boost yeah. that energy and that good feeling. Yeah. So. And it's going back, reverting back to being a child again as well, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, you know? definitely. yeah, definitely. Ladies and gentlemen, we're actually going to run into part three on this episode. <laughs> so, Steena, if you're okay, um, we'll continue in a moment. Yeah. All right, we'll just have a short break. Thanks. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. This is the Midnight McBride Show, and this is episode six, part three. We've never, I don't think we've had a part three before. <laughs> part three, and I'm with Stina Maria, Queen and Warrior. Warrior and Queen. Warrior and Queen. Hello, Stina. Hi. Hi. Aqua Maria. <laughs> I'm going to be singing for <laughs> So, Stina, um, if somebody that's watching this wants to get in touch with you and I think there'll be plenty of mm-hmm. people that maybe want to contact you maybe be involved in your group mm-hmm. maybe read one of your books how did they go about that uh, there are a number of ways because we do a number of things like you say the group the books the one-to-one sessions there's tons of things you can do the website is warriorandqueen.com okay there's all the information and links will be on there can I ask you something yeah when I tap midnight McBride in midnightmcbride.com Mm-hmm. sometimes depending on which search engine I'm on it goes straight to my website other times it doesn't and I've got to put https slash two dots midnightmcbride.com <laughs> you don't have to do that not as far as I know no, no. I just, to be fair though I'm a bit reckless and I leave all my pages open so every time my laptop's uh, on I'm always right there anyway I think Google's so. fine I just, I'm just curious because yeah occasionally you have to put the actual the full address in the whereas normally thing. it's just midnightmcbride.com but mm. Yeah. Well, maybe the www if that's what you need then. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Warrior and Queen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Either way, it's going to come up there yeah. for you. Um, there'll be a nice picture of a, a skull with pink hair and a crown on there. Who's so. that, I wonder? I don't know. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's about stripping it back. That, that's yeah. the logo. Strip it right back. You'll see a Norse helmet, horns, a unicorn <laughs> passing by. Yeah, that's And it. it's three-dimensional. <laughs> Glitter comes out the screen when you're doing it. <laughs> Array of children will be there in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. It's, uh, the, the main website is great while we're on facebook warrior and queen or just a mum is the group for mums um we do have just a man 
on there as well. Uh, that's a quieter group. It's it's getting the men going first mm-hmm. of all and getting them sort of ready and able to talk. So, yeah. but Warrior and Queen on Facebook, Instagram, or the internet page. Yeah. Okay, and tell us the titles of your book because you didn't actually say tell us the titles of all your books in order so the first book is mama keep your shh together Together. very clever um and then the second one is just a mum pregnancy diaries yes and then the third is just a mum christmas wishes and it's not actually a christmas book it's about women's struggles and what they would wish for if they could at christmas okay and book number four you can't tell us yet because that's top secret yeah we have there's a couple that we've got lined up for this year but this next one i think is gonna be a very controversial <laughs> oh <laughs> it's oh. finding the right sort of tools to be able to get that out there in a way that's not going to get me sued or something <laughs> <laughs> so. i have to stress a couple of things quite often we talk about openly about drugs and depression and self-harm and alcoholism and all mm-hmm. of these things and i have to say that we're not encouraging anybody to take drugs at any point mm-hmm. and that you know you're supposed to seek correct Health advice from your doctor. But there are disclaimers, you have to yeah. say, to be careful um, not to get in trouble. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. there might be a few name changes and things in there to cover our backsides. Yeah. Okay, Stina, we're coming towards the end of the show. Thank you very, very, very much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Thank it's been you wonderful. for having me, as always. So, if you like the show, on the YouTube channel, this the Midnight McBride Show, which is on every week, a new episode every week, then please subscribe to this channel and you'll automatically get the new episodes, a notification. You can see me on Salford City Radio every Monday night at 11pm till 12, which is midnight till midnight. And it's the Mind, Body and Spirit show. You can get the first book from Pills to Peace and then the audiobook when this is heard, will already be out, which is on iTunes, audible.com, ACX and various other places and that's from Pills to Peace also. The second book, Moving Forward, Learn How to Glide, Elevating Yourself and Propelling Yourself Forward Using Surrounding Energies with Zero Resistance, with Zero Effort, in Harmony with Natural Law is imminent and will be out very soon after you watch this video. You can get in touch with me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. I think I've covered everything. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Uh, Yeah, it's been a pleasure, Stina. Thank you. Thanks for having me, man. All right. And each week I like to lead the show with a quote from my first book, From Pills to Peace, My Journey into Meditation. And this week it is, your past doesn't define you. It is simply the view on your journey to this present moment. So I hope you've enjoyed the show and thank you.